Welcome to the episode. I'm Adam Moody with the Productivity Academy, and today I got a chance to talk to Christopher Sutton. And uh, full transparency here, I'm in a small group uh, with Christopher where we meet up uh, weekly, mostly talking uh, shop about businesses, uh, building teams, uh, funnels, all sorts of stuff. But Today we got a chance to dive into a topic that I actually haven't really touched much on yet through Productivity Academy, and that's uh, mindset and mindfulness. So I'm not going to give a real uh, deep intro to this. It's definitely an area where I consider myself uh, growing, learning a lot, and it was great to sit down with Christopher and dive into what is uh, an enormous topic with a lot of uh, depth as well as breadth uh, to get his view as a business owner and someone who's built a team, and how uh, this affects him, his life, his business, uh, his family, everything. So again, apologize if there's a little bit of background noise. Uh, we were in the, a hotel lobby meeting up in person, um, so we might have some background noise with some people walking around, but other than that, please enjoy. Uh, I'm here with Christopher Sutton, and I'm going to let him introduce himself a little bit and give everyone a little background uh, mostly because I was starting to have a fever this morning and I don't trust myself to like cover a lot of facts. So Christopher, if you don't mind sharing with everyone a little bit just who you are, a little bit of your background so we kind of get on the same page. Sure. So I am a 30-something husband and dad of two. I have two little girls. I live in Valencia in Spain because it's sunnier than London, which is where I'm from. And I run a music education company where we specialize in helping people develop the inner skills of music. So things like playing by ear or improvising or writing your own music. Cool. And how long have you been doing that for? So we started the company, I started the company in 2009, so about a decade, I guess. And we kind of rebranded, reinvented, relaunched in 2015 with our membership website, which was a big kind of point of inflection for us. Uh, so with that, it's been three or four years. Okay, cool. Uh, and today we had talked previously, obviously on the side, and we had decided that we were going to talk a little bit about mindset, which is something I haven't covered uh, with anyone on the podcast before. Uh, so this is going to be pretty freeform for both of us as we're sitting here staring at each other, but also for people <laughs> listening. So, uh, And I think it's a really important topic. It's something... Uh, full transparency that I, I tell people this and it's it's funny I look back and like five well maybe six years ago the, the really the idea of mindset to me was kind of laughable like I understood that it's like I had played sports and done things it's like yeah you like you need to do some mental prep to be successful that's that's a given but beyond that I just thought that it was kind of hocus pocus type of stuff and now in the last five or six years it's totally changed uh, I'm a big believer in you know you have to have action with the mindset but if you don't have your mind in the right place then you're gonna have a really hard time or could potentially fail just because of that um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from and and where I want to start from but how about yourself like what where do you kind of see yourself on the continuum of mindfulness or mindset yeah, so for me, I think the two go together. So we can talk about mindset in terms of, I guess, motivation and how you think about the big picture and what you're aiming for and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about mindfulness, which to me is more a kind of moment-to-moment -moment way of not controlling but managing your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And those two things I think are severely under discussed in the world of productivity you know you do a great show on uh, sorry a great job on this show of talking about the great nitty-gritty stuff like systems and processes and apps and tools and all of the kind of tactical stuff around productivity and I think for me 
just to give the context a little bit, I'm a scientist, engineer type by background. I was always academically strong. I graduated with honors and went on to a good job and then kind of out of nowhere took this transition into entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and it wasn't something I had grown up expecting to do it wasn't something I really felt prepared for and for me for the first few years of that it was a really painful learning process in terms of productivity because I had always been very good at book work and school work and passing exams I would get the work done but I am not a diligent person by nature I was the kid in the class who would get A's, but everyone didn't really understand why because it seemed like I was never doing any work. That was my background, and I'd been a high enough achiever that I thought that was fine until I stepped off that kind of straight-line career path trajectory that society puts out in front of us and realized that, oh, wow, everything is now on me. So when I get up on Monday morning, it's up to me to figure out what the company needs to do it's up to me to figure out what I need to do. It's up to me to prioritize and organize and make best use of my time. And fortunately, it wasn't an overnight thing. I transitioned out of my day job to start this company and that meant I could kind of go part-time, I could start working from home. And that gave me a runway of kind of 18 months to learn those skills and get to the point where I was effective, I guess is the right word. Mm -hmm. And I say all that because for the first few years, I thought the tactical was all there was to it. Yep. And when I wanted to be more productive, I thought about, you know, how can I better organize my time? How can I get better app or tool to track and prioritize? And, you know, there's, there's plenty of good stuff there. And it helped me go from zero to adequate. Mm -hmm. But after that, what really made the difference was mindset and mindfulness, those two things in particular. And... You know, I, I'm not going to say that I have mastered productivity. I don't think anyone ever does. Mm -hmm. But I will say that it's been a, at least a couple of years since I was getting to the end of the day and feeling like I'd wasted time or I get to the end of the week and feel like I had spent my time unwisely. Like, that just doesn't really happen for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I found the master plan of time management. Yeah. It's because I realized there was stuff going on in my head. And if I sorted that out, everything else was kind of icing on the cake. Definitely. Um, so I agree with virtually all of that. Uh, and then just to back up a little bit, you're saying you kind of, uh, so you always did well, like academically. Um, and then when you're doing the transition, was there a point where you were like, oh, wow, I need, I mean, I'm setting you up, obviously. Was there a point when you're like, I need help figuring this out? And if so, like, what was your kind of introduction into, like, was it a book? Was it talking to someone else? Like, how did you get started down a path of like, okay, I need to figure something else out here? It's a good question. I think, I think there's two ways to come at it. One is to say that a big part of what got me started in entrepreneurship was getting into personal development. <laughs> and so I was reading books that were talking about goal setting and planning and follow through. And I was reading books like The 4-Hour Work Week that introduces you to outsourcing and to some extent team building and management. And so that was kind of getting my head in the right state to think about these things. Mm -hmm. And I think after that it was, it was a trial by fire really in that I was working in research jobs mostly. So I was a research assistant at university and then I went into doing R&D for a small startup company. And in both of those positions, my time was my own. You know, I had a boss, he would talk to me about what 
I was aiming for. Mm -hmm. And then day to day, it was kind of on me to figure out exactly what to do and how to get those results. And so I think that let me kind of, you know, compared to the world of school exams or university even, I wasn't being handed each step forwards. You know, I wasn't being told 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. we're going to work on this anymore. And so I had to get that kind of basic ability to figure out, okay, I've got two weeks to accomplish this goal. How will I break it down? How will I get on with it? Mm -hmm. But I was still operating in this context of an office where my boss would check in with me every day. And if I had questions or I wasn't sure, I'd always have someone to talk to. And so then once I stepped outside of that, that required me to level up again. And I think that was when I would have started going to podcasts or websites or books, specifically wondering about time management and productivity and, and how do you make sure you're using your time wisely. So, yeah, and did you feel like when you made the transition that you had to kind of either, did you have a, you said level up, do you feel like you immediately started applying and, and growing? Did you have a dip where you had to kind of figure things out or what, what happened there? I think I was competent from beginning of doing my own thing full time. So like I said, I kind of phased out of my day job. So by the point at which I was only doing my own company, I think I'd gotten competent. So I wouldn't be, you know, wasting half a day browsing YouTube. I wouldn't be, you know, only working three days a week just because I didn't realize I needed to work harder, you know, that kind of thing. I was basically sitting down at my desk and doing decent stuff all day long. But there was definitely a process of learning strategy and learning prioritization and learning For me, the simple frameworks that let me organize all the jumble of stuff I could be working on into what I was actually going to do. And I think if I think back to like 2011, 2012 kind of time, so I'd been at it a couple of years, I had by that point reached a stage where I'd start the week by listing out the main things I wanted to accomplish that week. I'd do it in Evernote with little checkboxes, that would be my weekly agenda. And then day by day, I would do a daily agenda and I just kind of pluck things from that weekly agenda, put them on my agenda for the day, tick them off when they were done. And that was kind of my 80-20 of it. It was enough to track what I was doing and to make sure nothing got forgotten. Mm -hmm. And I didn't find the need to kind of time block or schedule things to a greater degree than that. So I guess then what's the contrast with fast forward to 2018, Mm. 2019, what would be in a nutshell, like what's your 80-20 way of doing things? Yeah, so this is maybe the interesting thing is that it's the same. Mm -hmm. So I still do that weekly, I still do that daily. These days I have more longer term, so I'd also do a quarterly planning process and an annual planning process. But I think probably what I just described sounds sensible enough to people, you know, that sounds like it would get the job done. But what it left me prone to, and in 2012, what I would have struggled with in terms of productivity is sometimes you set your agenda for the day and you sit down to do it, and then you realize an hour later that you've gone completely off on a tangent because an email came in and you got completely absorbed in that and you felt the need to put out a fire and you ran off in that direction. And you only realize an hour later that you've been pulled completely off agenda. Or there might be weeks where I sat down on Monday morning to plan my week and I just wasn't really feeling it and I kind of knew intellectually what I needed to do but I couldn't really get on board with it and I wasn't really psyched about it and so I'd slog through it but it would probably take twice as long as it was meant to and then you know I'd have to try and rally during the week and get on top of things 
and so there were a lot of days and weeks like those where on the face of it I was getting through what I needed to more or less mm -hmm. but it was highly inefficient yeah. mostly because I just I just wasn't following through effectively. I wasn't doing terribly. I think most people looking at it would be like, ah, yeah, you were getting a decent day's work done. But I knew, like, I was only really using 60% of my time effectively. And that, I think, once you become aware of it, is really frustrating because you feel like I should be a robot. I should be able to do 100%. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> impo I mean, I think it's like asymptotically approaching, like you, everyone's got their limit. For me, I know it's way under 100%, <laughs> uh, for better or worse, and it's just, you know, if I can get that 80% effectiveness, then I'm like, wow, I just totally won the day, but I know the harder and harder I push, kind of like speed of light or something, like, I'm never going to quite get there, and it takes a lot of energy mm. to, to push me forward, but yeah, that's interesting um, what you're saying about, you know, being like 60% effective in dealing with distractions. So there's kind of two different things I'm seeing here, I think is like, there's definitely the mindset approach to this, but then there's also kind of the tactical, like you can tweak, you can change your process for like how you dealt with distractions. Like I know myself, I'm sure everyone does that. We're like, I'll literally like feel like I wake up out of this like state where I'm like, oh my God, I went into email to check an email. I never actually got to that email and then now I'm somewhere else. Um, so how did you kind of go from that 60% effectiveness to greater and I guess is it a mindset thing or is it kind of a self-improvement I don't know it might just, I think it's probably a mix of, of all of the above so this I think is where we don't talk enough about this because people jump quickly to treating the symptoms and they say we get sucked into email so let's just not open our email all morning or we get distracted by social media so we'll install a plugin that stops us getting onto Facebook and that's fine and it can work but you're kind of putting a band-aid over a big injury like that shouldn't be happening in the first place mm -hmm. and so I guess just to clarify too mm, like what shouldn't be happening getting pulled off what you intend to be doing okay so whether that's all in your head and you've just been distracted by an idea and actually you spend 10 minutes chasing down that idea because it's inspiring to you when actually you were meant to be dealing with a phone call yeah. or it's the middle of the night and you spend 30 minutes not being able to get back to sleep because you're worrying about something that's going to happen tomorrow or it is literally like I went in to check one email and I saw a subject line that intrigued me so I opened that and now it's 45 minutes later and I haven't accomplished anything. So it's all of that kind of stuff that is totally natural, totally understandable, totally normal and 99% of the world just kind of juggle that and it makes us less productive but we kind of accept that and we're not perfect and okay mm -hmm. or we install tools and plugins and systems and processes that we kind of hope will protect us from that happening. Yeah. And what I realized kind of inadvertently was you can cut that off at the source. And the solution isn't to force yourself not to do those things. It's to train your mind to the point where instead of being 45 minutes later, you realize four or five seconds later that this is happening. And at that point, the more you practice, the easier it becomes to say, I'm not going to do that. You know, and if you choose to, you can. If you want to spend 45 minutes, by all means do. Sure. But the point is where mindfulness enters the picture is it lets you realize very quickly when your brain is doing something you didn't intend for it to do. Yep. No, that's interesting. And I think that the mixture of, I guess it's really building the habit and then also using the tools because that's where I personally find it helpful. Like um, I know a popular one is Newsfeed Eradicator for Facebook. And I use that, but it helps me realize and build that habit because I'll hop onto Facebook either. There's usually something work-related 
um, I'll hop onto it and I'll, I'll realize that it's not showing my feed and be like, ah, right, like I need to go do one thing. Mm-hmm. Or And that has helped me build the habit. Not to say I don't use Facebook too much or I'm not on there, but I find that the tools kind of help build the habit, which then the long-term habit provides me the results I want. Mm-hmm. I so. Um, so to kind of pull back then, um, I'm kind of curious from a kind of high-level perspective. Uh, for yourself, I guess it's always the best question to ask in your kind of journey. Um, what has been like the biggest mindset shift that, that you've either purposefully undertaken or, or just had happen that has kind of helped you as far as being an entrepreneur? I'm personally just curious what you feel, whether or not it's like the number one um, big one, but you know, over the last five or six years, what has changed where you've said, ah, this is a, a different way I need to either approach or think about the way I'm doing this? Yeah, I think there've been a couple. Mm-hmm. I think one major thing for me has been on the motivation side of things, the realization that there will be ebbs and flows mm. and that entrepreneurship in particular or doing your own project of any kind is going to be a bit of a roller coaster and that's normal. And when things don't quite pan out and you feel like you're at a low, that's normal and it's going to happen and I think the more you go through that the better you get at kind of picking yourself up and charging yourself up again and I think the longer you do it the less extreme those peaks and troughs get but I think realizing that that wasn't success and failure and the failure wasn't me being a failure as a person Mm -hmm. this was just a natural part of the process towards your eventual goal that was a big deal for me once I really accepted that and, and realized that it was true in my own journey because that let me be a bit more at peace with the fact that things were up and down month to month or yeah, uh, year to year even. I think after that, it comes back a little bit to mindfulness in that disassociating yourself from the successes and failure mm. and not identifying in a personal way with what your project or what your business is doing has been really helpful for me. And that's only been really in the last year or two. And, you know, obviously I still feel very personally and emotionally about how my business does Mm -hmm. as you would hope but the reason I say it's related to mindfulness is once you realize exactly how that relationship is happening and you can observe yourself getting sucked in in a personal way to something that's going well or something that's going badly it's a lot easier to manage how much you want to get absorbed in that so to make a concrete example if you do a project for six weeks and it flops and the results aren't there, going back a few years, I would have probably gone into a bit of a low for a week or two. I would have felt very bad about myself. I would have been frustrated. I would have been annoyed. I would have felt like it was a personal failure that this thing did not pan out. These days, it's a bit like we were talking about before. Rather than that taking me a week to kind of rally and put myself back together and be like, oh, you know, that didn't work out, but I'm still okay. Now it would be a matter of minutes where I'd get sucked into it. I'd realize, oh, now I'm feeling physically rubbish and I'm feeling like all of these doubtful thoughts are popping into my head. I would recognize that was going on. I'd be able to observe it. And then I would be able to move on with my day. And that has been pretty huge for me in the last year or two, just because it, again, it evens out those peaks and troughs. They still happen, but you are not on that roller coaster. You're just kind of seeing that it's happening. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting, and uh, full disclosure for anyone listening, like I'm in a mastermind group with Christopher, and I remember very clearly last summer coming on one time, I was like, I've gotten, I, or I feel like I've gotten used to the ups and downs, you know, whether it's revenue or it's other metrics or 
And but I said, man, this is tough. We just had our best month uh, a month ago, and then we're at literally zero this month. And I was like, this is it's tough. And um, so for me, it's interesting to hear you say that because also I think of you as an incredibly like grounded person. And I think actually someone this week while we were at a conference uh, in Nashville had said, you know, well, Christopher, you're very emotionally mature. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, whether or not you believe that about yourself, like outwardly, that's mm. something um, that I see. And so it was really interesting for, you know, that it's one of those concepts where, yeah, you know, everybody has this. Whether or not you're calm, cool, collected, or you're hyper, or you're outgoing, it's everyone feels mm. these extremes. And it's learning, like you said, to deal with it. So. Yeah. And, and to be very clear, I am not by nature an emotionally mature person <laughs> you know going back five or ten years it's on record now. that is not something anyone would have said about me and I think that's what's been fascinating to me about meditation and mindfulness mm-hmm. and exploring that side of personal development is I had probably had a couple of misconceptions about that whole thing and I'm from a Christian background I've never got very into Buddhism so mm-hmm. when I talk about mindfulness and meditation it's from a very secular perspective mm-hmm. and one misconception was meditation is just about making yourself feel better and you can go and reach enlightenment sit under a tree and never do anything and for that reason I resisted it for a long time I wasn't really interested in sitting under a tree and being at peace I wanted to accomplish things with my life yeah and the other misconception was and I think this persists for a lot of people and did for me for a year or two after I got into meditation was it's all about the thoughts and it's about having a thought enter your head and letting it go away and it was very to me intellectual and it was all about what thoughts were coming into your head. And what I've realized since is actually there's a lot of really valuable stuff in that realm about emotions. Mm -hmm. And so when you say emotionally mature and I talk about those peaks and troughs and whether you get sucked into it, mindfulness is just as useful for the emotional stuff as the thought-based intellectual stuff. And so for me, I got into meditation purely from a productivity perspective. You know, I was hearing from these CEOs and entrepreneurs who all credited um, meditation. I think Tim Ferriss, in all the people he's interviewed, he identifies that as one of the few things that pretty much everyone mentions. They meditate in some way, shape or form. And so that was enough to get me curious. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be a Buddhist, but I do want sure. to know Open what mind, this is all about. Open mind, try, see what yeah. the result is. Yeah, and so I was just talking to my sister about it recently because she's like a, a driven A-type personality and can't fathom the idea of sitting down and doing nothing. And that, that's exactly <laughs> where I was. Like, in, whenever it was, I picked this up in 2012, maybe. That's exactly the type of person I was. And it seemed like such a waste of time to sit there for 10 or 20 minutes and do nothing. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can identify with that. But clearly there was something here and people were talking about it in terms of productivity and being effective. And so I was curious. And there was a very good book by Jack Cornfield called, I think, Beginning Meditation or Meditation for Beginners. And very short book, very simple. Each chapter gives you a different kind of meditation to try. And that was superb for just giving me a way to sit there for 10 or 15 minutes and understand what it was all about and give it a try. And I was just saying to my sister the other day, like for me, there are two really valuable things in meditation. One is there's a one-time investment you make that changes you forever. And I've heard Arnold Schwarzenegger talk about his transcendental meditation in the same way. Mm -hmm. He doesn't meditate anymore. He doesn't feel he needs to because he did it for a year intensely. It changed him forever. I found the same thing. Like I went through probably six to eight weeks where I was diligently doing it every day for the first week or two didn't really care much didn't really see the point but started to get the hang of it by the end of those eight weeks 
it had had a quite impactful effect on my day-to-day existence. And whether or not I meditated in the morning, did it twice a day, did it every day, the way I thought and the way I was able to observe and manage my thoughts had changed. And that doesn't go away. Yep. It's kind of a one-time skill you learn and it changes the way your brain works in a really positive way. So that's one thing. The other really valuable thing is if you do do it day to day, it has an even greater effect and it kind of reinforces that and helps you be more centered uh, to risk using a slightly woo-woo term. It helps you be more right there day to day. Sure. And so those were two big valuable effects from it. And for the first few years, that's as far as it went for me. And the really valuable thing it did was it let me learn to recognize a thought was happening without being fully absorbed in it. And that gave me the power to say yes or no to that thought. Yes, I believe this, or yes, I want to pursue this. And, you know, clearly that has a massive effect on how productive you can be because you're not at the mercy of whatever distraction pops in. You're not at the mercy of whatever line of thought happens to appear in your brain on a Monday morning. You can actually be a lot more intentional about what's going on in your head. But a few years in, I started reading a bit more on the subject and in particular there's an excellent book called The Untethered Soul by a guy called Michael A. Singer and he talks a bit about that kind of thought-based mindfulness but what was interesting was he for the first time really unpacked the emotional side of it in a way that connected with me Um, I don't, like I'm not a I'm not a person who talks a lot about emotions or had really thought a lot about emotions but I think once you're out there in the wilderness as an entrepreneur you can't help but accept the fact that you are to some extent at the mercy of your emotions day to day like there are things popping up that aren't quite thoughts but they're a feeling or they're a mood or they're a state of being that have a huge impact on your productivity but it's not as simple as you just need to talk yourself out of it like if you wake up feeling like rubbish on a Monday morning it's hard to talk yourself into feeling better and yeah there are physical things you can do like exercise but for me it was really helpful to have that book in particular help me understand what an emotion was what I could do about it how it related to thoughts you know were the thoughts coming from emotions were the emotions coming from thoughts how seriously should I take my emotions all of that stuff had been a big unknown for me and that made it quite hard to manage because I was I was just coming at it from an intellectual perspective but that book kind of helped me see how the mindfulness and the meditation could all be applied to the emotional side of things too and that was another really big step change for me in terms of being productive and effective with my time. So you touched on exercise as well. How do you feel that that fits in in terms of whether it's separate for you? Do you find it it can be its own form of meditation or kind of centering yourself? I think it's extremely important and certainly for me personally it's one of a few things I point to as being essential for Mm -hmm. maintaining productivity and maintaining effectiveness. I realized that fairly early on and again to give the context I'm a nerdy kid like I grew up a computer geek I was eating Doritos and writing computer programs I was not out winning football games but in my 20s I kind of got a bit healthier and got a bit more into exercise and for the first time I realized that actually doing exercise could be enjoyable because you got endorphins and it was fun and you came out of it feeling better. So I'm just curious too for this what was the motivation like what why in the why in the 20s and what happened that you decided okay I'm gonna invest the time and effort into this? It's a good question it might be one of the first kind of personal development efforts I made Mm -hmm. in that 
I did it kind of to prove to myself that I could be a fit individual. Like I kind of, I wasn't super overweight, I wasn't super unhealthy, mm -hmm. but I kind of recognized that I wasn't eating that well, I wasn't really into exercise, my body wasn't quite what I wanted it to be, and I kind of saw that as a challenge and, and explored exercise to, to address that. Okay. And I think for several years, it again, it was kind of like a putting a band-aid on the problem. So if I woke up on a Monday or something happened during the week and had me feeling really rubbish, I would go for a run, I'd come back, I'd feel renewed and refreshed and I'd have a new energy and I'd kind of be like, like the running had given me a chance to digest. I'd come back and I'd be able to work again. And so it was kind of my, not a last ditch effort. And if I did it preventatively, even better, but it was kind of just like brute force, let's sort this out. Yeah. And I still find it super effective, but now it's, it's not necessary in the same way. It's helpful and it's valuable. But, you know, if supposing I am in a one hour meeting and halfway through the meeting, something happens that totally throws me off. And in the past, I would have been in my head. I might have spent 10 minutes completely distracted making conversation in the meeting, but actually my brain is off on a tangent, getting annoyed about something. In that situation, you can't go for a run. You know, yep. you can't go and lift weights and get into the right state again. And so for me, the mindfulness stuff is more of a always go-to solution for that kind of thing. Sure. And the exercise I do because it's enjoyable and it can give you that great endorphin rush and that physical reset. Mm -hmm. But it's it's no longer the only tool I have to address that. Definitely. And I kind of personally, I approach that from, uh, I don't recall who, where, what, when, but start, I started looking into the kind of the stoic ideas mm. and I, for me it's that like you said about mindfulness being you know it's go-to because yeah I think the classic example is like you know literally being imprisoned or restrained or something like you have your mind mm. and that's the last bastion of you know you're in control of that no matter what until literally you're dead and you get to choose and so it's kind of training that up so um, I guess which is a kind of a good topic to go into. Uh, do you have any particular um, leanings or, or ways you feel about that? Have you done any reading into um, kind of controlling where your thoughts go or how you feel about certain things? A little, yeah. So I've read a little on stoicism because, you know, in, in our kind of entrepreneurial scene, it's, it's a hot topic for yeah. sure <laughs> and kind of seeing a resurgence. And I think it's beautifully aligned with the mindfulness stuff we've been talking about. You know, the Stoic philosophy at its root is, can you let things not get to you, right? It's let's not get too carried away with excitement or depression and we'll observe what's happening in life and we'll be okay, whatever happens. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that's the objective and meditation and mindfulness are the most effective path to get there that mm -hmm. I've found. I think if you read Marcus Aurelius or you read Stoic philosophers, they have lots of good descriptions and narrative and ideas and, you know, to some extent exercises. But I think for me, I found that reading that stuff got you psyched up about Stoicism. <laughs> and maybe for the rest of the day, you'd be like, yes, I'm going to not let that affect me because I'm a Roman emperor. Yes, death but doesn't bother me. Exactly. <laughs> and and not, like, not to be too flippant, there's a lot of really substantial stuff there. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was not actionable. Like it was not practical. It was not something I could maintain unless I was literally reading Stoic philosophy every day mm -hmm. and kind of re reminding myself of that. And so I think it's, I think it's a beautiful resource for describing what you're aiming for in terms of attitude to life and 
how you approach the world. And for me, it goes great with mindfulness because mindfulness trains your brain to be able to actually follow through on all of that. Definitely. Well, this is going to be, I have a feeling we're going to talk again about this, whether it's recorded or not. Um, I'm going to, I think we're going to have a couple more minutes here, but I guess I have definitely have two more questions. One of them being, you know, if you could talk to uh, younger Christopher and younger Christopher being, you know, maybe a, a, an up and coming entrepreneur or somebody who's approaching this, what, what would be your kind of, hey, you know, make sure you look into this, spend some time doing X or Y or Z. Like, what would be your one thing and over what we've talked about that you think would be the most important or the most rewarding? Yeah, I would like to give him two bits of advice. And one would be from me two years ago and one would be from me now. Yeah. And me two years ago would say, try this mindfulness meditation thing. Mm-hmm. And what I would tell him was, you're not committing to doing it every day for the rest of your life. If you want to, great but you can put in a one-time, one or two-month effort that's going to dramatically increase the effectiveness of your brain for the rest of your life. And that would have appealed to me 10 years ago. It would appeal to me right now. (laughs) You know, that is a a clear win. And I think that would have really had an impact the sooner the better. Hmm. Like, I'd love to go back to me as a teenager and have that kind of... Just give it a shot for four weeks or whatever. Exactly, yeah. And the thing I would say now is... A kind of a footnote on that because I, I said I don't get to the end of the day and feel like I've wasted time or get to the end of my week and feel like I've used my time poorly but that can go too far in the other direction and you know I talked earlier about being a robot there is definitely a risk of expecting 100% from yourself mm-hmm. and like you were saying you need to find your own balance you need to find where you actually want to get to in terms of that asymptote to 100 mm-hmm. and I in the last only in the last six months really have I had a bit of a breakthrough on that front up until then I was very much driving forcing striving straining trying to do absolute best and there's a really great story from Derek Sivers I think on the Tim Ferriss podcast Mm -hmm. is where he talks about it and I don't know if you've heard him describe this his bike ride story I don't think so okay I'm gonna tell the story but listeners should go and check out that podcast episode to hear him tell it better Long story short, Derek Sivers got into riding his bike and he was super into racing as fast as he could on this certain route that he would do every Sunday and he knew exactly how long it could take him and he was constantly trying to improve on his time and it was something like, you know, I'm going to do this loop around the marina and it'll take me 46 minutes. Every Sunday he'd drive himself crazy trying to beat that time till it got to the point where he just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And he, you know, he was struggling to get motivated to go out for this bike ride. And one day he just got up and he was like, you know what, I'm going to go for the bike ride, but I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to time myself. I'm just going to, just going to go for the sake of riding. And so he did the same circuit, same loop down by the marina. But this time, you know, he was noticing the weather and the wind on his face and the birds in the sky. And he had a lovely bike ride, came home totally refreshed, totally delighted. And it had taken him like 48 minutes. <laughs> and his realization and the moral of his story was, you can drive yourself absolutely crazy trying to go 100%. And actually, you can have a delightful time doing 90%. And I heard this story on the podcast a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, that's great, Derek. You're retired. You made a fortune with CD Baby. By all means, have a delightful life. I'm going for 100%. <laughs> I need it now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I want that extra 20. But in the last six months, what I've realized is... It's actually closer to 95%. Like, for me, if I take an extra 20 minutes at the start of the day, not to do anything or to accomplish anything or to run through my morning ritual, but just to give myself 20 minutes to do whatever I feel driven to do, 
or if between the checklist items on my day's agenda, I allow myself five minutes to kind of decompress and do something I instinctively want to do or go talk to my wife for a minute or, you know, whatever, instead of just going straight on to the next item immediately because that's the most efficient. I tried doing this for a couple of weeks and my business coach had encouraged me to give this a try because I was like, oh, I don't know, it sounds like not working very hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I gave it a try and what was stunning was at the end of the day, at the end of the week, I had accomplished absolutely as much as I would have otherwise. In some cases, I felt like I'd accomplished a lot more because those little pauses had given me the chance to digest a bit more, be a bit more mindful, give myself a bit of a reset and I was much more effective with the time that followed. And you know, this is not out of keeping with Pomodoro or something a bit more structured that says, do this, do this, do this. But for me, it was really just about taking that straining and striving back one notch and realizing that I could have just the same results, be a lot more happy and relaxed with my day. And I think ultimately a lot more productive for it. Definitely. That's great. I agree with it. And this is another topic where I'm like, man, okay, got to mentally put this in there because we could have a conversation probably about just this. So anyways, that's great. Uh, I think that's great advice for anyone. And I think what you said about just, you know, whether it's using the Pomodoro technique or just doing this kind of ad hoc, I also highly suggest people try this instead of driving yourself nuts and getting burned out. Take five minutes, take 10 minutes. Yeah. Go say hi to the wife. Uh, say hi to the kids. Go take a walk around the block do something. So great. All right, so for the last question, uh, it doesn't have to do with what we've been talking about. I'll open it up. But what is the one book right now or within the last few months that you find yourself or want to recommend uh, to people the most? And I'll let you know, too, that I have leeway with this. So some people cannot focus on one. So if there's two <laughs> or three, that's fine. Okay, well, I think I probably have to repeat the Jack Cornfield suggestion for anyone who's a bit intrigued by this meditation idea. Mm -hmm. That book, I think, is very good at just giving a simple, short introduction mm -hmm. and getting you going. But really, my recommendation would be the other book I mentioned, because I read it for the first time a few years ago, and it's one of, one of only a handful of books I've read more than once in my adult life, mm -hmm. and it is probably the only book I have read more than three times. It's not a long book. But it is a book where you will, I think the first time I read it, the first couple of chapters were good. Mm -hmm. And after that, it got a bit woo-woo and I wasn't sure. And I didn't really, like I read it, but I wasn't really on board. The next time I got an extra chapter that actually made sense to me and kind of resonated. At this point, like the whole book is just, to me, it's solid gold. Like that is transformative in terms of how I think, how I feel, how I manage myself. And so The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. And the other thing I'll just add to that is part of what appealed to me about that book, because I wasn't particularly seeking out emotional stuff, I wasn't seeking out more meditation reading, but someone mentioned it to me because this is a guy who is a renowned leader in the world of Buddhist spirituality, but he is also a highly successful businessman. And it wasn't that he was successful in business and then he went off and sat under a tree. These two happened in parallel. And he wrote another book called The Surrender Experiment, where he tells the story of how he grew this multi-million dollar company and sold it while having these spiritual experiences and very much credits the internal changes that happened for the external success he had. And that was super interesting to me just because, like I said, I had probably ignored meditation because I didn't want to sit under a tree. I wanted to get things done. Yeah. And this for the first time was someone saying, it can help you get things done and this is how it works. 
And so that was what made me read the book. But I think it's just useful to know that this guy writing this book and talking about all these things, he's not some guru sitting off in an ashram teaching people and that's all he does. He has had enormous success in the material world mm -hmm. that we are probably also absorbed in and he's accomplished things that I'm sure a lot of us would look up to. And that I think helped me to get on board and give it a bit more leeway and have a bit more of an open mind about trying these things out. Cool. Well, I now have some more reading to do, which is part of why I asked, but I think these are really helpful for people who definitely want to dive in a little bit more. So, Well, cool. Um, we got to wrap it up, but uh, where can people find out more about Christopher or if they're interested in your businesses, where would, where would you tell people uh, to go or what are you up to? Sure. So I guess if you are musically inclined or would like to be, then my business's website is musical-u.com. That's the letter U. Uh, I do technically have a personal website that we can put a link to in the show notes, but I'm not going to say it because I don't really want to encourage people to go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit outdated, yeah. um, but I used to blog and you can find things there. Is it a MySpace page? It's not. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> awesome. Not quite that bad. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, if Christopher will come back, we'll uh, definitely have him on the podcast again. Thanks. Fantastic. Well, I'm an avid listener of your show, so it's a pleasure to be on it myself. Thanks, Adam. Thanks. Thanks again for listening today. And if you can think of one person in particular who would find today's episode really helpful, please share it with them by sending a link to the episode and an email or a message. And before we wrap up for today, you know, people ask me about how to improve their time management skills, improve their ability to focus on what's important, and use automation to save time in their business, and get started building their own team. And if you're a bit like me, it's nice to have a bit of a guide or outline to help with areas like this, which is why I created The Foundation, to help listeners get a solid framework or foundation to help them be more productive so that they could grow their business, improve their lives, and do it all with less stress and time involved. If that sounds like something you'd like to do, then head to productivity.academy slash the foundation and get started.